0: Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, and reading from chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Now, before we spend some time thinking about those verses, let's ask the Lord for his help this morning. Let's pray. The writer to the Hebrews writes, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a speaking God, and we thank you that your word is living and active And so we pray that you would be a work among us this morning as we spend some time studying together by your Holy Spirit, would you make the thoughts and intentions of all of our hearts look more like those of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We pray these things for our joy and for your glory, and we do so in his name, amen. Well, I do hope that you had an excellent Christmas and are enjoying perhaps a bit of rest at this time of year, this odd little window, the no-man's land between Christmas and New Year. But whether it has been a restful period for you, or whether it's a working period, like I guess it is for many of us, the week between Christmas and New Year, we'll call it betwixtmas, is very much a hinge point in the year. And what I mean by that is we're far enough through 2018 that we can look back and reflect on the year that has been, but we're also standing on the brink of what is yet to come. We're anticipating what next year is going to bring. So this week, I guess more than any other in the year, we both look backwards and we look forwards. And that isn't just a personal thing. If you happen to open a newspaper over the next couple of days, or you take a trip onto the BBC website today, you'll see that every second story, pretty much, is either a review of 2018, usually framed around a top 10 list or a top 100 list, or a preview of 2019. If you don't believe me, I picked up a national broadsheet this past week which reported on the top 10 oddest book titles of 2018. can only assume it's a pretty slow news week. (laughs) And uh, in case you're interested, this year's winner wasn't actually that much to write home about. But the winner in 2010 uh, was called Managing Your Dental Practice, The Genghis Can Way, <laughs> and, which does sound pretty special. So our media does it, we do it. It's a time of year when we both look backwards and we look forwards. And actually, that's what we're going to spend our time doing this morning. We're going to look backwards and we're going to look forwards. But not primarily, we'll do a little bit of it because it's the Sunday between Christmas and New Year, but that's not the main reason. We're going to look backwards and look forwards because it's what we see the Apostle Paul doing as he opens his letter to a church in a place called Philippi. I wonder if you noticed as we read these verses a few minutes ago that Paul uses three time markers in our little section this morning, just within our 11 verses. Look down with me at verse 5, where we see the first two of those. Paul writes this, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's looking back from the first day, i.e. the day that this church all became Christians, when Paul himself planted this church in Philippi. We read about that in the book of Acts. From that first day until now, until today, the day that he's writing this letter. And we'll see that as he looks back, he does so very warmly. He's doing it with great thanksgiving. But as well as looking back with great warmth, he also has another time marker in view. Look on to verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And again, verse 10, if you look down just one moment to verse 10, so that you may be pure and blameless for when? The day of Christ. Paul's looking back with thanksgiving, but he's also looking forwards, not to a new year, but to the day of Christ, to the day when Jesus will return. And if his thoughts for the past are characterized by thanksgiving and warmth, well, his thoughts for the future are characterized by prayer, by petition. anticipation or hope. We see that in verse 9, where he says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Paul's looking backwards and he's looking forwards. And we're going to spend our time this morning following that logic over the next few minutes. You'll hopefully see that reflected if you picked up one of these service sheets on your way in this morning. There's just a couple of very simple headings on the back of that that might help you as we move through this passage this morning. So first of those headings, thanksgiving, for gospel partnership. Well, Paul starts his letter by telling the Philippians that he's praying for them. And that isn't actually very unusual for Paul. He starts quite a number of his letters in the New Testament that way. But what is unique, or what is unusual at least, is quite how warm he is. I wonder if you picked that up as we read through the verses a minute or two ago. Read again with me verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Or down to verse seven, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Or verse eight, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The opening to Philippians sounds less like a formal epistle and more like a love letter doesn't it? He yearns for them. He holds them in his heart. It's very warm, affectionate language, isn't it? And there's a reason that he loves them so much. It isn't just that he gets on with them quite well. It isn't that he just happens to have a lot in common with them, or he has fond memories of time spent with them. He tells us in verse 5 that we read a moment ago. We'll read it again briefly. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, partnership in the gospel. Now, gospel partnership is a big theme running all the way through the letter. We studied it together in Chord and Focus, our postgrads and young workers and uh, undergraduate Bible study networks this past term. We saw that gospel partnership is a, a theme that runs all the way through the letter. And it's, it's a phrase that we use a fair bit around here at Chalmers, We support a number of gospel workers around the world and here in Scotland, and we actually explicitly call them our national and global gospel partners. But what does that actually mean? See, we're fortunate here at Jammers that we have really warm and affectionate relationships with all of our gospel partners, national and global. But because we get on with them really well, we might drift into thinking of gospel partnership as being little more than friendship. So we love Inger Rob, and Emma and Scott Hamilton and Andy Robertson and our partners in East Asia and around the world. And because we love them, we want to keep up with them. We want to find out what's going on in their world. So gospel partnership could just drift into being a warm friendship between people who quite like each other. But while all of those things are true, there's something more fundamental that binds us to Andy and Inger and Emma and Scott and guys in East Asia. Paul explains in verse 7. He says, It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart for, and here's the explanation, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul says that his affection for the, uh, the, the church in Philippi, his partnership with the church in Philippi, is rooted in a shared experience of grace, of the grace of God. They are partakers, says Paul, of grace. And if you're a Christian, I hope you know that to be true in your own experience. As Christians, we're a, we're a group of folk who have rejected God and deserve his rejection in return but instead he has welcomed us graciously into his family because of Jesus. And that shared brokenness, shared reliance on God, love for God, treasuring of God, all that binds us together with one another as Christians. Like nothing else can. Gospel partners aren't just pals, not just friends. They are that, hopefully. But we're bound together by something much more profound than that. They are people who are bound together by the grace of God. But that isn't the only thing that unites us. I wonder if you noticed the slightly confusing little qualifier at the end of verse 7, where he says, You are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Now, that little qualifier doesn't actually feel like it, it explains the, 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 the bit at the front of the verse, You are partakers with me of grace, doesn't seem linked somehow to imprisonment and defence and confirmation of the gospel. But it's worth knowing that Paul's writing this letter from prison, and he's in prison for telling people the good news about Jesus. That's gospel work. That's what he's invested in. That's what he's given his life to. And despite the fact that the Philippians aren't there with him, he says that they are gospel partners with him because they're invested in the same work. And for the Philippians, that meant quite a literal investment. When we read through the letter, if you have time this afternoon, I would encourage you to do that. Preachers always do that, don't they? Presume that you've got nothing else on on a Sunday, but it would be a wonderful thing to do in a Sunday afternoon. But when we read through to chapter four, we see that the Philippians did actually send money to Paul. They sent a guy called Epaphroditus, who seems to have traversed mountains and, and gone a dangerous way to get money to Paul. It was a literal investment. And so, gospel partners for Paul are united by sharing the same grace of God and by a common investment in the same gospel work. That doesn't just need to be monetary investment. That's not really the point here, I think. I think the point is that they share a common goal. As Christians, we want people to hear the wonderful news about Jesus, and we're committed to reaching that goal together. And even the word partnership communicates something of that. Think of a business partnership, for example. A business partnership doesn't just exist for its own sake, or at least if it does, then it doesn't exist for very long. They'll go bust, won't they? See, a business partnership exists in order to run a business together. People are united by a common purpose. And Paul says that's the case for him and the Philippians. And it's the same for us and our local and global gospel partners. We share in the same gospel grace, and we are all invested in the same gospel work. but we can't leave it there because I want us to see this morning, to be very clear this morning that gospel partnership isn't just a sending out thing. See, I don't know um, about you if you're a regular here at Chalmers when we hear news from gospel partners in East Asia or, or in tricky parts of the world where it is difficult to be a Christian. I often think to myself, there's no way I could be involved in the work that some of our gospel partners are doing. Gospel partners are a special breed of Christian, aren't they? And in fact, when we read of Paul and the Philippians, we might think the same thing. Paul's in prison for telling people about Jesus. And yet, as we read through the letter, he's so full of joy, full of thankfulness. He just wants people to know about Jesus. And I think to myself, gosh, there's no way that I could be like that. Gospel partnership must be for special super Christians, mustn't it? But that isn't what Paul has in mind. See, Paul says that that Philippi Evangelical Church, or let's call them Chalmers Church Philippi, they're all partakers, not just with Paul, but with each other. See, it's implied in our section this morning, Paul's at pains to show that his relationship isn't just with some of them, it isn't just with the elders or with the the leaders of the church, it's with every single member. Read verse seven where he repeats it. It's right for me to feel this way about who? You all. Because I hold you in my heart for who are partakers with me of grace? You all. So it's implied in our section this morning. And then later in chapter one, it becomes really explicit Look down. I'm not going to have you jumping around too much this morning, but look down to verse 27, still on the same page. Paul says this Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, gospel partners aren't just people we send out. They are, wonderfully, and we're privileged to be able to do so. They aren't just people we support from afar. They aren't a special breed of Christian, in fact. They're the people that you're rubbing shoulders with right now. And I think that's a helpful reminder for us here at Chalmers. A reminder of what we're involved in when we meet together week by week, Sunday by Sunday. Sunday in home groups, in Bible studies during the week. Our roles in the work here at Chalmers might look very different from person to person. But by each one of us being invested in that work, invested in the work of telling people about Jesus and getting that news out there and bringing people in, we are bound together as partners in the gospel. And the reason that it's important for us to remember that is that there's a difference between being a gospel partner and a gospel well-wisher. Our culture, I suspect, has lots of gospel well-wishers. We can pick and choose what church we want to go to. Don't need to invest that heavily. So if they're a gospel well-wisher in Chalmers, a gospel well-wisher might be able to affirm Chalmers' statement of faith. Might be a committed Christian. Might enjoy the preaching here. Might enjoy the friendships they have as a result of being here. They may wish Chalmers every success in our ventures. But for a gospel well-wisher, the work that Chalmers does, well, well, it's someone else's work to do. And when they refer to the church family here, they might even find themselves speaking in terms of they. They do this, they do that, rather than we. But a gospel partner is very different to that. As gospel partners, we stand shoulder to shoulder with each other. We encourage each other to press forwards through difficult times and we're bonded together by the same grace of God and we share together the same vision for the city of Edinburgh that people in Edinburgh, in Scotland, in the UK, around the world would hear the wonderful life-changing news of the Lord Jesus. Now to encourage you, 2018 I think has been a year that's been characterized by gospel partnership here at Chalmers. Think back to the steps that have been taken towards planting a church in the southwest of Edinburgh. Think of the church family getting behind that in prayer and practically giving financially to that work, as well as some of us committing to go. Or think back further still to Passion for Life, the Mark drama, RSNO concert. Loads of people brought friends along with them into this building, not just to hear the music, not just to see a good show, but to hear about Jesus. Jesus. And we've done that not just as lone rangers. We don't do that as gospel well-wishers, but side by side as partners in the gospel. So please, do be encouraged. Chalmers Church is a place where real gospel partnership is alive and well. And if you are invested in this work, this passage should not prompt you to sign up to yet another Chalmers rota. It should be an encouragement to you. That's what you're involved in. That's what you're invested in. It's a wonderful thing to be doing alongside each other. But I do know that that won't be everyone's experience of church life here at Chalmers. And now's as good a time as any to have a think about whether you are more of a gospel well-wisher than a gospel partner here at Chalmers. And in doing that, I'm not trying to create a rod for anyone's back. It's a wonderful thing to be a gospel partner, to be invested in the work Perhaps you are a committed Christian, you've been around Chammers or, or another local church if you're here visiting this morning, You've been around that local church for a while, you enjoy church life, but when you think about it, you can't really think of any way that you're invested in church life. Sure, you enjoy Sunday services, but church is a bit of a spectator sport for you. Now, what I'm not saying is that to be a gospel partner, you need to be up here on the platform or in the band or up front doing any up front roles. But I am saying that it involves real investment, shared investment in the work of the good news, telling people about Jesus. And that means time, energy, prayer, gifts, money, investing, working side by side as part of a church family. And the start of a new year might be a good time to stop just being a gospel well-wisher and start being a gospel partner, just to get stuck in. It's not complicated. Just to get stuck in. If you aren't sure how to do it, we would be absolutely delighted to help you think about how to go about that. Please do come and speak to me at the end of the service. Speak to Emma or email the church office. We'd be delighted to help you think about where you could get involved as a gospel partner here at Chalmers. So that's our first point. Paul's thankful as he looks back on the Philippians' partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They share in the same grace, and they share in the same graft. Gospel grace, gospel work. But as well as being thankful for the Philippians' partnership from the first day until now, Paul is also prayerful for the future. We're going to spend the rest of our time thinking about that this morning. So, second heading, Praying for Gospel Progress. It is New Year's resolution season, when we all make well-intentioned but generally pretty unrealistic promises to change our behavior in one way or another. And I was thinking about it a little bit this week and reached the conclusion that most of the resolutions that I guess a lot of us will make over the next couple of days will be reactionary. What I mean by that is that they are a corrective to an area of our lives where we don't think we're doing especially well. So, for example, we join a gym, or we resolve to eat a couple of salads, to make our own lunches for the rest of the year. Not primarily because we have a long-term goal for fitness and health, but as a reaction to the 40,000 calories we consumed on Christmas Day, or we resolve to watch what money we spend in the new year. Again, not primarily because we have ambitions for being good stewards of our money or or setting aside money for our future, but because we spent too much money buying those 40,000 calories usually that we consumed on Christmas Day. New Year's resolutions are often an attempt to correct bad behaviors. And Paul often wrote to churches to do just that same thing. He didn't often write spontaneous letters at least not in the New Testament, he's often addressing some wonky behavior or thinking in the church. And so when you read through the New Testament, each letter that Paul wrote often addresses at least one main error, either in Christian living or Christian doctrine and and theology. But again, one of the unusual things about this letter to the Philippians is that that's not what he's doing. It isn't a corrective. He does address one pastoral issue in chapter four, which you'll see when you read through it this afternoon. But that issue isn't the reason he wrote the letter. See, we've already seen that he's been thankful for their partnership from the first day until now. And as he turns his gaze towards the future, well, he doesn't need to try and get them back on track because they're already there. Instead, what he wants to do is keep them pressing on in what they're already doing. So read verses 9 to 11 with me again, and we'll remind ourselves of what it is this prayer is for them. Verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Paul's big prayer for this church for the future to the day of Christ is that their love would abound more and more. Not that they'd start loving, but that they'd have more of the love they already have. And he wants that love to express itself through wise choices and wise decisions. So he says it's with all knowledge and all discernment. And in the context of what he's just been saying, Paul's prayer for the Philippians has to be that they keep pressing on in this partnership with one another. It's not just an abstraction. It's not just that he wants them to kind of love each other or to love generally. I'm sure he does. But off the back of this exhortation towards partnership, he wants them to grow in love, grow in wisdom, and press on together towards this final day when Jesus will return. And wouldn't that be an encouraging message for some of us to take away this morning as we step into 2019? Two words, keep going. If this year has been a year of gospel partnership here at Chalmers, then don't take your foot off the gas. Just keep pressing on. You're doing great. Strive side by side as you invest time and energy and money in the good news of Jesus going out. Love each other more. And in fact, wouldn't that be a good New Year's resolution to make? 2019, keep pressing on in gospel partnership. Well, relatively speaking, I guess it would. But if that's our only takeaway message this morning, just to hunker down and press on, then I think we've probably missed one of the main parts of Paul's point. Because for Paul, there's a fundamental difference between growing in your partnership in the gospel as a church, local church family, or with gospel partners in Scotland or around the world. There's a fundamental difference between growing in that partnership and cutting your calorie count. Because remember, we mentioned a few minutes ago, Paul uses three time markers in this little section of Philippians. There's the first day, there's now, and there's the day of Christ. Well, there's another important triplet in Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul says that there are three parties involved in his partnership with the Philippians. Now, the first two of those might be pretty obvious to you. There's Paul, who's writing the letter, there's a the church in Philippi who are receiving the letter, but there's another party who is actively involved in this partnership. And in fact, he's the founding member. Verse six, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you back at that first day will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Or again, verse 11, that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from hunkering down and working hard. No, that comes through Jesus Christ. See, there are three partners in this gospel partnership. There's Paul, there's the Philippians, and there's the God of the universe. God himself brought about their partnership in the first place, and he's the only one who can keep them going who can keep them growing in partnership with each other, abounding in love with all wisdom and knowledge and discernment. And surely that's why Paul starts his letter with a prayer. Because he knows that they need God's help if they're going to keep going. They're doing well, but if they're going to keep going, they can't do it themselves. And so how will we, Chalmers Church, press on in gospel partnership in 2019? As we plant a church, God willing, in the southwest of Edinburgh. As we train more people for vocational gospel ministry, you're looking at one of them. As we tell more people about Jesus, how do we keep pressing on? And not only that, how do we do all of that in the face of the difficulties that will come? Remember, Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's conscious that the Philippian church is going to face pressure from the outside opposition, as well as facing strains from inside the church family, whether relational difficulties or whether the knocks that we face in day-to-day life, and gosh, we've faced many of those this past year, haven't we? How do we ensure that our love for God and for each other grows more and more in 2019? Well, it does involve commitment on our part. Paul uses the language of striving and straining side-by-side in gospel partnership. But unlike every other New Year's resolution we have ever made, the success or otherwise of our gospel partnership, of our partnership with each other here at Chalmers, will not just hinge on my discipline, on your discipline. Because there are three parties involved in our gospel partnership here at Chalmers Church. It's you, me, the God of the universe. So if God's the one who started the good work among the Philippians, it's the same God who started the work among us that would bind us together as a ragtag bunch with different interests and loves and hopes and fears, experiences. It's that God who unites us together. And if that God started the good work among us, it's only him who can keep it going to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, never mind to the end of 2019. And so the take-home message this morning is that if we are to press on in gospel partnership in 2019, if we are to keep striving side by side for the work of telling people about Jesus in Edinburgh and around the world, whether here at Chalmers or at your own local church family if you're visiting this morning, if that's gonna happen, we need to pray. So ask God to keep growing your love for him, your love for his people and your willingness to strive side by side with them for the work of the gospel here at Chalmers. Now, as we close, if you are a gospel partner here at Chalmers, if you are bound to other Christians here by a mutual shared grace of God, having been rescued from sin by a wonderful Savior, and you're bound together by shared work, wanting to tell other people about that wonderful Savior, if that's you, then please be encouraged by this past year. It's fair to say that it hasn't been without its difficulties. This year has been a really, really difficult year for many of us. And I know fine well that some of us cannot wait to put it behind us and get into a new one, wipe the slate clean. But remember too that it has been a year of progress. Might not have felt like it, but it has been. People have heard the good news of Jesus for the first time. People have trusted in Jesus for the first time. That is an absolutely wonderful thing. That's what we're all about. There is plenty to be encouraged about. But there's nothing to be complacent about. So if we're going to keep going, not only if we're going to keep going and sustaining stuff, if we're going to keep growing in partnership, striving side by side with one another in 2019, we cannot do that ourselves. We need to pray. If you're going to resolve to do anything this new year, resolve to pray. Ask God to work in and through you, to keep you going and growing in your love for him and your love for his people this coming year. Now, perhaps you would describe yourself as a gospel well-wisher, whether you're a regular here or a regular elsewhere. You want things to go well in your own local church family, but you aren't really that invested. Can I encourage you to think about ways in which you can invest in gospel ministry here in Edinburgh? Take this chance. It is a good chance to reflect on what's been and what's to come. And can I encourage you to pray? Ask God to establish and grow your partnerships with other Christian people where you can be encouraged by them, you can encourage them sharing the same grace of God together, sharing in the same work of telling people about Jesus. But lastly, perhaps you don't fall into either camp. You wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian at all. And frankly, all of this chat about gospel partnership is pretty baffling and a little bit concerning. Well, if you are in that camp, then firstly can I say we're absolutely delighted you're here with us this morning, and I really do mean that. Please take this as an open invitation. We would love to have you back here in the new year. We'd love to have you with us every Sunday. Please come back. And I understand that it might sound pretty full on to hear me speaking about being partners in the gospel, getting the good news of Jesus out there for people to hear it despite opposition. But it's important you know that the reason for that, the reason that we are serious about this work, and we are really serious about this work, is that the good news of Jesus, the news that he died a criminal's death to save spiritual and moral messes like you and me, is the most wonderful news you will ever hear. It changes people's lives in just wonderful ways. And can I just say it is absolutely worth staking your life on. We have a wonderful Savior, and we just want to tell people about him. It's what we're about. So if you've never thought about it before, you've never thought about this Savior before, but you'd like to chat, please come and grab me at the end of the service. I'd really love to do that. Even if you've got questions and concerns, please do grab me. I'd really love a conversation with you about that. Now as we close, I'm gonna ask the God who can bring about and who can sustain gospel partnerships from this day to the day of the Lord Jesus, when He returns? We're going to ask Him to do that work among us here at Chalmers this coming year. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for your good news for the wonderful, wonderful grace you've shown us through your son, the Lord Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died a criminal's death on our behalf, and has rescued us and welcomed us into your family. Lord, we ask that for each person here this morning that you would either for the first time or for the umpteenth time be struck by how wonderful that news is. And Lord, we ask that as we've thought about what it means to be gospel partners, that this coming year, you would bind us together with other Christians, whether here at Chalmers or in our own local church family, by sharing in the same grace, your wonderful grace, and sharing in the same work, the work of telling people about the Lord Jesus. We know that it was you who saved us and brought us into relationship with other Christians in the first place. And we know that only you can keep us going in 2019. And so we ask that you would grow our partnership with each other. And Lord, if there is someone here who has never trusted you, who's been confused by all this talk of gospel partnership this morning, we thank you for them being here this morning. And we do ask that you would make yourself clear to them. That they would bring their questions but that they would find themselves being warmed to your good news this morning. And would trust you for the first time. Father, we ask these things for our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.